Hey, let's dive into the Word today. And uh, my, so when we change computers, my countdown monitor doesn't work. So I have no idea what time it is. So we're just going to go. So if it's noon and I'm still preaching, you guys just let me know. All right. Hey, Job chapter 9, verse 25 says, My life is speeding by without the hope of happiness. How many of you in this room own a computer? If you own a computer, raise your hand. I want to see it. For the majority of us in this room, we own a computer. If we don't own a computer, we have something called a cell phone, an iPad, a tablet, something like that. Well, those, those pieces of equipment operate on something called a battery, correct? Well, I own a MacBook. My MacBook in the right-hand corner, it tells me if my battery is plugged in, it tells me if my battery is fully charged, tells me what percentage my battery is. If my battery is connected to the power source, which is extremely crucial, I can operate, I can run my computer as long as I want to. But the moment I unplug my computer, the battery starts to drain. And the longer I work on it, I can work, I can strategize, I can type sermons, I can do whatever it is, I can send emails, I can surf the web, but that a battery will eventually just continue to fade away. And over time, there's going to be a little warning sign that's going to pop up on my screen when my computer is not plugged in. It's going to say, you are now operating on reserve power. Any of you ever operated your computer on reserve power? It's kind of a scary time. You're thinking, okay, I've got to get this plugged in. Well, you can only operate on reserve power for so long before your computer eventually dies. What I found out is the more programs I have open, the more things I'm doing on my computer, the brighter I have my screen, the faster that battery drains. And one of the things I found out about my computer is my computer doesn't care if I'm one, if I'm like one minute away from finishing my sermon, if it says there's no more battery left, guess what it does? It dies. My computer doesn't care if it's going to anger me. My computer doesn't care if it's in, going to inconvenience me. It doesn't care if it's going to make me cry or weep or get mad and throw things. My computer simply says there is no more power left. It's time to shut down. If I stay disconnected from the power source at some point, my computer just shuts off. I don't know if you guys have a computer like this, but I don't. My computer can't plug itself in. It needs some help. I have to plug my computer in. And what I want to do today in this service is I want to help you plug back in. I want to help you connect to the power source. We're closing out our series today on how did I end up here. And I want to talk with you guys about something that has over the years become very near and dear to my heart. But I want to speak something to you guys today that I believe God wants to speak to you. I really feel that this is not just a Destiny Church problem, but this is an American problem. And here's the question we're going to ask today. How did I end up so exhausted? How did I end up operating on reserve power? How many of you would raise your hand in this room and say, Pastor Chad, quite often I feel tired. Or Pastor Chad, I feel worn out or exhausted or drained. 
mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. How many of you in this room would say, Pastor Chad, there's days I'm so tired that I'm irritable. I feel like I'm kind of burning the candle at both ends. If that's you, and you would say, would you just raise your hand, Pastor Chad? I feel tired quite often. Raise your hands all across this room. I want you to keep them up. Some of you raising two. Some of you raising your feet. Yeah, you got it. Well, today what I want you to do is, as I said, in my MacBook in the upper right-hand corner, it tells me where my battery is. I want you to consider me as the warning sign today that's telling you what your battery power is. Today's going to be a little different. Because I've got a lot of questions that I want to ask you. Some questions that I want to ask, maybe you'll answer. Some of them we won't answer today. Some I want you just to tuck away. But I kind of want to just navigate through this sermon. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to scream and holler. I just, I just want to deal with some things that I feel are very important for us. I want to tell you today that I want to help you connect to the power source. And I can't tell you how crucial it is that you connect emotionally. I can't tell you how crucial it is that you connect spiritually. I can't con- tell you how crucial it is that you connect relationally or physically to a power source. Let's pray. Father, I come before you this morning and ask you in these next few moments if you would be in this room. Would you lead and would you direct and would you show me, would you speak clearly through me today? Would you do something in our hearts today? Would you change our future as individuals? Would today be a day? Could you make today a day that grabs a hold of our hearts and our future forever changes? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For the most part, we live in a culture that tells us that our value or our worth comes from what we do. We live in a culture that tells us that our value comes from not only what we do, but how well we do it. And as a result, many of us are driven to work harder, or we stay at the office longer, or we want to build bigger and better churches, or we want to build bigger and better companies, or we want to build bigger and better careers. But if you look closely at the last two words of each of these, the last two letters of each of these words, words like longer and bigger and better, and faster, you'll notice they all end in two letters, E-R. And if we continue to subscribe to this mindset that says, I have to go longer, and I have to build bigger, and better, and I have to go faster, that's actually where it's going to take us, to the E-R. And we're going to crash. And we're going to burn out. And I don't want you to burn out. I don't want you to blow up. I read some statistics this week in a recent Gallup survey of 7,500 full-time employees in America found, listen to this, 23% of these full-time employees stated that they feel burnout very often or always. But listen, it doesn't stop there. While an additional 44% reported they feel burned out 
sometimes. So 67% of these full-time employees that were interviewed said they experienced feelings of burnout. I also read some more statistics this week. 43% of Americans say they don't get enough rest and they are tired. 97% of Americans say they have at least one of the leading risk factors concerning fatigue. 76% of Americans say they feel tired at work constantly. 53% of Americans say they feel less productive. And 44% of Americans say they have trouble focusing. Exhausted. We're running on reserve power. Let me ask you guys a question today. How many of you would be honest and say you have too much to do and too little time to do it? Raise your hand. You say I have too much. I want you to raise, keep them up. Look around you. Too much to do. Too little time to do it. I know that for many of us, our to-do list is longer than the amount of hours we have in a day. For many of us, we feel like we just can't get it all done. Wouldn't it be great if time could stop? Wouldn't it be great if we could just say, hey God, I just need an extra hour today? Well, there's actually a place in Scripture in Joshua where God did stop time. The sun did stand still. Let's look at it. Joshua chapter 10, verse 12 through 14. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. And he said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. There has never been a day like this before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. This reference is the only place in the Bible and the only place in history that I've seen that God added hours to someone's day. It's the only place. Wouldn't that be great? Hey God, I'm a little busy today. I've got a lot of things happening, a lot of things on the to-do list. Could you give me... I think I could knock it out in two more hours. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be great if the sun would just stand still? Well, from what I see throughout history and even what Ephes- or, uh, Joshua chapter 10 verse 14 says, I don't think the sun's ever going to stop again. So since we don't get more time in the day, what do we need to do? I think we need to do a better job of investing our time. I want you to imagine with me today that someone deposits into your banking account $86,400 every day. Every day at midnight, somebody deposits into your bank account $86,400. There's only one catch. You have to spend that $86,400 every day because at midnight... The next morning, your account is emptied. 
You only get $86,400 a day. You can do whatever you want with that $86,400, but you can't carry it over to the next day. I was thinking about that. I would try to trick the system. I would try to figure out ways that I could invest it into something else so that I had carryover. I wonder, though, would you try to invest it or would you try to spend it? Would you be wise? Would you blow it? Would you think, oh, well, I'll get another $86,400 tomorrow. I'll just do whatever I want to do with this. You know, I'm not sure that it's ever going to happen, but it sure would be fun to try. Give me a week of that. Just let me spend $86,400 a day for seven days a week. I think I could probably do some pretty good stuff with that much money. But guess what? Every day, you are given a deposit. Not of money, but of time. Every day, you're given 86,400 seconds. Every day. How much, how do you use that time daily? Do you invest it? Do you spend it wisely? Or do you blow it? Thinking, oh well, I'll get another 86,400 seconds tomorrow. I think for the most part, that's our mentality. I'll just use it again tomorrow. I think for the most part, we as human beings, especially Americans, I think we waste our time. I think we blow it. I don't think we spend it wisely. I think we're reckless with it. I think we max it out. In essence, I don't think we value time. Think about this. God has given you, nobody else in the room today, just you. God has given you 86,400 seconds a day for you to choose what you want to do with that time. Nobody else controls your time. You get 168 hours a week to spend or to invest. The question today is how are you managing your account? Are you spending recklessly? Blowing it? Meeting everybody else's demands? Never saying no? And are you feeling the stress of time? Are you feeling the burden of time like you don't have enough time? Are you feeling overloaded, overburdened, overworked, underpaid? Are you feeling the stress of your 86,400 seconds thinking, I don't have much time left in this day? Or are you investing shrewdly? And are you having peace every day that you invested your time wisely? You see, here's what I've kind of discovered. When you spend your money, you can always get more money. Now, you can't get the money you lost, but you can make more money. But time is different. When you spend time, you can't get it back. I can't redo yesterday. I can't redo 30 seconds ago. I don't know about you, but I'm beginning to think that maybe time is more important than money. beginning to think that maybe time is more precious than money. I don't know. At least it's something to consider. Is time more valuable 
And what I want to do today is I want to talk with you. I want you to consider the value of time. And I want to talk with you today about making the most of your time. And please hear me today. I'm going to come at this from a spiritual perspective. There's so many things concerning time, and we could talk about so much today, but I, I really want to come at this from a spiritual perspective. How did I end up here exhausted? I want to help you spiritually, because I believe if we can fix it spiritually, we can fix everything else. Because Matthew 6.33 says, if you seek him first, everything else will be added to you. So does that mean that if I give him my time first, he'll give me more time? Or does it mean if I give him my time first, he'll make me wiser with the time that I do have? Psalm 90 verse 12 says this, teach us to use wisely all the time that we have. Another translation says it this way, teach us to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom. Let me ask you another question today. Like I said, I want to just ask you some questions. I want you to kind of tuck these thoughts away and hopefully this this sermon, this message really does something to you because it's done something in me. But I want to ask you another question. How much time do you waste in a day? How much time do you waste in a week? How much time do you waste in a month? How much time do you waste in a year? How much time do you waste in a lifetime? Just something to think about. What I want to do today is I want to give you three ways to make the best use of the 86,400 seconds you're given every day. Three ways. I could, we could talk through so many more. We could talk through physical things. We could talk through relational things. I want to talk spiritual. I want to use Matthew 6.33 as our reference, as our point of reference today. If I seek him first, everything else will be added unto me. So number one, the most important thing I can do to make the most of the 86,400 seconds a day is number one, I must understand that it's imperative. Listen to me, it's imperative. Everybody say that word with me, say imperative. Look at your neighbor and say it's imperative. What's that word mean? It's important, it's crucial. I gotta plug in to the power source. It's imperative that we spend alone time with God daily. Listen to me, if I'm gonna make the best use of my time, it's imperative that I spend time with God daily. I think the reason many of you are exhausted and wore out is the only time you connect to the power source is Sunday. It's imperative. If we're going to spend time growing and experience better days, we must connect to God. I'm not talking about doing routine churchy things like going to church on Sunday or attending a life group or going to youth service on a Wednesday night. Those are important. Those are crucial. Those are necessary. We need those as, as the body of Christ. We need those. But I'm talking today about something much more intimate. 
I'm talking today about something much more personal. It's you and you alone. I'm talking about you daily opening up your Bible and saying, Jesus, not That's where some of us, that's the only time we get the word is when I say this is what God says. But know what? I'm talking about is more intimate than this. I'm talking about where you say, Father. Speak to me. Not only am I talking about getting in the word, I'm talking about, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to whisper to me? I'm talking about more intimate than sitting in a seat, which is an incredibly intimate thing to experience corporally to worship with the body, but there's something so much more intimate when God whispers to my heart, when God whispers to your heart, when God speaks to you from his word. Here's what I'm going to tell you. It's very hard to experience this and your knees alone with him It's very hard to work on your spiritual disciplines. It's very hard to seek Him first. It's very hard to take care of your soul when you're living an overloaded, out-of-balance, hectic, fast-paced life. Why? Because you don't have time. I think the most important thing for our body, the most important thing for our soul, is time with our Father. Time with our Creator. And the first thing we sacrifice when we start running out of time is the most important thing that we need. Time with Him. Seek Him first and everything else will be added to you. But here's what I found out in my life and it doesn't make sense. But when I'm consistent in my spiritual disciplines, when I'm consistent in seeking Him first, I actually make better use of my time. When I'm consistent in seeking Him, I actually do feel like I have more time in my day. When I put God first, when I come in of a morning, and what I do is I get here, I try to get here earlier before all of my staff and everybody. Why? So I can spend time with Him before the day starts. But when I do that, I actually feel like I have more time in my day. I actually feel more organized. I have something in my office called spark. It's something you put in your water and it like sparks your brain. And I'm like alert. Well, when I spend time with God, it's like spark for me. It makes me alert. It makes me more focused, more prepared. It makes me wiser. When I spend time with God first, it helps me become less stressed and less hurried. It doesn't make sense because I still have the same amount of time. I still have 24 hours. So you would think when I actually take 30 minutes to an hour or an hour and a half or two hours, however long you do that, to spend time with God, you would think it would make me feel like I have less time. But when I spend time with God first, I actually have more time in my day. So I'm encouraging you, seek Him first. I'm convinced 100%. If you'll give God first your 86,400 seconds a day, you'll actually make better use of your time. I believe it. Alone time with God. And I know some of you are probably sitting there saying, Pastor Chad, you've talked about this before. And guess what? I'll talk about it again. 
Why? Because I don't, I don't do this every day. Because there's days where I get in and I'm like, all right, I got to knock out this and this and this. And God, I'll, I'll spend a long time with you in just a moment. But I got to really knock these things out first. And then I knock those out. And then I knock something else out. And then I knock something else out. And by the, by the time I know it, it's the end of the day. And I'm like, all right, I'll go home. And I, t- and I actually do. I'll take my Bible with me in my backpack. I'm like, all right, I'll get home and I'll sit down. And I start doing things with the kids. And then we eat dinner. And then I mow. And then I, you know, sit down and watch a little TV and say, like, huh. I'll just spend time with you tomorrow. And it's gone. Time. I feel the biggest reason that many of us feel exhausted, the biggest reason many of us feel like we're running on reserve power is because we aren't connected to the source. Please hear me. Please catch this above anything else today. Please hear the intimacy and the passion with which I speak this today. You must seek him first. For me, when I talk about seeking him first, this doesn't mean writing a sermon. For you, this doesn't mean knocking off another task on your to-do list. It doesn't mean spending alone time with God so you can say, hey, look at me, I spent alone time with God so you can post it on social media. No, when I say spend alone time with God, it's the time that you stop And that you pause and that you say, here I am, God. It's a time when you can be open and honest and real and vulnerable with God. It's a time when you can share your worries, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. It's a time when you can confess your sins. The Bible says confess your sins and he will will forgive you. It's a time when you can seek his wisdom. The Bible says if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask and God will give it to you. You can seek advice. You can listen to his voice. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So listen to me. Here's what I want you to catch from this one, from number one. When you read God's word, it shows you the right paths to take. When you read God's word, it gives you the wisdom to avoid the wrong paths. So you know what that tells me? That makes me wiser with my time and I'm not wasting time because I'm taking the right path how many of you have ever taken the wrong path because you didn't consult God first three of us yeah the rest of you are holy and godly (laughs) praise God for all of you I'm like the three of you that have taken the wrong path I've many times ventured down the wrong trail and thought God where are you well I'm over here you never asked me Chad you just kind of went down this path okay I'll come back And when you get on the right path with God, he illuminates the path. He shows you which way to go. So number one, spend alone time with God daily. Number two, you have to learn how to say no. Learn how to say no. How many of you in this room would be honest? Raise your hand and you have a hard time saying no. Raise your hand if you have a hard time, if you're a yes person, all right? A lot of you in this room. I got a lot of questions for you. I got some things I need to ask you to do. (laughs) Learn how to say no. Well, did you know that for everything you say yes to, you're actually saying no to something? Let me say again. For everything that you say yes to, you're actually saying no to something else. And oftentimes, what we're saying no to is actually something that's more important, more crucial. 
Let me ask you another question. Like I said, I want to ask you a lot of questions today. Some things I want you to think about. Some things I want you to ponder. Here's another question. Is every door that's open for you the right door to walk through? Think about it this way. Have you ever thought that maybe it's your spiritual enemy that's opening that door? Why would the enemy want to open a door for me that looks good so he can get you distracted? So he can get you off mission? So he can get you so busy that you say no to something that's more important than the thing you're saying yes to? Maybe, just maybe, the enemy's goal is to get you so busy doing something over here that you miss the God moment that he had for you over here because you walk through that door and not this door. Every door that's open for you is not a God door. Listen, just because an opportunity arises doesn't mean we have to say yes. It doesn't mean that it's right for you and maybe in this particular season of your life, maybe next season of your life it'll be okay, but this season maybe God's saying no. Just because a door is open doesn't mean God opened it. That's why we want to seek him first. If I seek him first, he's going to give me wisdom to take the right path. So I'm like, okay, God, I know used to I would have went down this road because I wasn't seeking you first. Now that I'm seeking you first, I've got wisdom. You've, it's like you lit up the path. This path has a light on it. That path is dark. Which one should I take? I'm going to take the path you're illuminating. I sought you first. Now I can make a wise decision. But oftentimes, many of us, we don't seek him first and we end up taking the wrong path and we end up wasting time and we say yes to things we should have said no to. And then we find ourselves distracted. We find ourselves operating on reserve power, burning the candle at both ends. How many of you find yourself burning the candle at both ends? Did you know when you burn the candle at both ends, you'll melt twice as fast? So number one, spend time with God daily. Number two, learn how to say no. Number three, embrace the Sabbath. And you say, we've talked about this before, Pastor Chad. Guess what? We do that sometimes. Because we're not getting it. I'm going to talk about the Sabbath a lot in my ministry because I believe it's something that's crucial and something that's important. And guess what? I'm not doing very good of embracing the Sabbath. Let me just, let me just tell you something right here. A day off and a day of Sabbath are two different things. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, it didn't say God took a day off. It's not, that's not what it talked about. God rested, took a Sabbath. If you want to make the most of your time, I want to encourage you to embrace the Sabbath. The word Sabbath, it actually means to cease working. It actually means to rest. The word Sabbath is actually a weekly pause from your work. Let me say it again. Sabbath is actually a weekly pause from your work where you disconnect 
from technology and society so you can plug back into God. It's a reconnection. It's a recalibration of, okay, I'm going to tune back into you, God. The Sabbath was created and implemented by God himself at the finish of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, God saw that all he had made and it was good. Genesis 2, 2, by the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all of his work. God rested. God stopped working. Why? Because he saw that it was good and he was finished. The problem with us is we all too often don't see something as good or we don't like the good and we never see ourselves as finished. So we got to keep working. I love what Mark chapter 2 verse 27 says. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Did you know the Sabbath was made for you? It was made for you. I've told you this, but when Tasha and I were in Israel last year, February of 2018, I actually got to see the Sabbath lived out by the Jewish people. And it's probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced in my life. An entire country shuts down. They shut down weekly. Like people are shutting the doors of their buildings. They're not, they're disconnecting so they can connect to family and friends and their creator. The Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. It was made for us. I want to learn how to embrace the Sabbath as a part of my family's regular routine. I want to figure it out. Not because I think that God's going to judge me harshly if I don't get the Sabbath. Please hear me. I don't think that. I don't think God's going to say, oh, they're not getting the Sabbath. I just think you're just going to wear yourself out. I think we're just going to find ourselves operating on reserve power. Roy Adams, in Keeping the Sabbath, said, Sabbath is about atmosphere. A radical change of pace. It's about finding space for God and making time for special communion with Him. What I'm discovering is the Sabbath is less about doing and more about being. So today I challenge you, study the Sabbath. See if maybe God would spark something in your heart for the Sabbath. I know He has for mine. Talk to God about the Sabbath. Google it. There are some incredible, incredible books out there on the Sabbath. There's one of my favorite ones called The Rest of God, and it's by Mark Buchanan, an incredible, incredible book on the Sabbath. Dig into it. Read it. And see if God stirs your heart for it. I know He is mine. So in closing today, if you're running on reserve power, if you feel like you have a, never have enough time for all the to-dos on your to-do list, I want to challenge you. Seek God first. Learn how to say no. And embrace the Sabbath. I've said again, if the to-dos are longer than the amount of time you have in a day, seek Him first. Learn how to say no. Embrace the Sabbath. Let's pray.